We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Thank you. I feel better now. It is a privilege and a joy to get to worship with you today. If we haven't met before, my name is Amy and I'm one of the pastors here, pastor of outreach here at St. Luke's. So it's an honor and a joy to be with you today. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to check in. Let us know that you are here today, whether you're worshiping with us in person or those of y'all who are live streaming with us, you can see the QR code link in your screen. Um, or if you're worshiping with us on, in person, we've got a cool QR code right there on the floor. So you can just... All right, let's pray. Speak, God, and help us to listen to what you want to say to us today. And help us then to put that into practice in the ways that we think, in who we spend our time with, in how we work, in how we play, in how we rest, in how and who we love, so that our lives today would reflect more of you than we did yesterday. Amen. All right, let's begin with a quick word association game, all right? I need everybody to participate so you can blurt out your answer out loud if you're with us in person. If you're online, drop your answer in the chat, okay? What is the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the word apprentice? Wizards? Did somebody say wizards? That's awesome. Love it. Anybody else? Woodworker. Electrician. Nice. Star Wars. We're on track because that's where I was going to. Thinking apprentice of Jedi Knights. Sometimes that works out not so great, but that's all right. Okay, but we're not here to talk about Star Wars today or wizards, right? So why did Colin choose the word apprentice for this two-week mini-sermon series that we're in? Well, if you spent any time in the church or read some of the New Testament, you probably are more familiar with language like disciples of Jesus or followers of Jesus. But as Colin explained to us last week, another way that we can translate that Greek word mathetes is apprentice apprentice, which gives us, I think, a unique way of thinking about and living into relationship with Jesus, where we're trying to model everything about how we live our life, how we spend our time, who we love, how we love, all of that right after the pattern that Jesus, our ultimate teacher, lays out for us. So today we've got part two of this little mini series and we're looking at another passage in Matthew's gospel where Jesus teaches us more about what it looks like and what it really means to be an apprentice. So let's open up God's word together today and see what God has for us. So as we do, here's a little bit of quick context, okay? Jesus has been super active in the chapters leading up to our passage for today. He's been teaching people about God's kingdom by telling stories. He's healed people who were sick. 
He's calmed a storm on the lake. He's exercised demons who were tormenting this guy. He's gone to dinner parties. He's hung out with people that the religious leaders would call sinners. He's challenged people to turn away from the stuff that's been dragging them down and turn toward and accept the forgiveness and the relationship that God is offering them. He's fed 5,000 people from one little snack. He's walked on water. And understandably, people aren't sure what to make about all this. Who is this guy? And everybody's got their own theories, right? So one day Jesus asked his apprentices, who do people say that I am? And they bring up all the theories that they've heard people throwing around, but then one of the apprentices, a guy by the name of Peter, he pipes up and he voices what for him is no longer a theory, but a core conviction. He says, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And so our passage for today picks up just after that. It starts out from then on, from then on. So the gospel writer is telling us with this phrase here that a major shift is happening now. Now that Jesus' apprentices have this baseline understanding of who he is, Jesus is gonna share what he's going to do with the power he has as Messiah and where that power will take him. So from then on, Jesus began to show his apprentices that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Whoa. That's a lot to digest, right? Now let's notice something here. There are other times in Matthew's gospel where Jesus very intentionally is teaching a large crowd or inviting a big group of people, anybody and everybody, come on, listen in. But here, the text tells us he's just speaking to his apprentices. And I think the reason for that is not that Jesus is trying to exclude anybody, but because there's a kind of foundational faith here that's really important to have in order to be able to hear and process and respond to this hard news about what's next for Jesus. But even with that foundation, the text then says, Peter took Jesus aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. <laughs> we can imagine Peter thinking and vamping on this, right? No way. I mean, I'm convinced Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one God has been promising, the one we've been longing for, the one we've been holding out hope for for thousands and thousands of years. This is the guy the prophets told us about, the one who would make all things right. And if we ever needed him before, we do now. Being under the thumb of empire after empire, we can scarcely catch our breath, much less our freedom. Nothing is ever gonna change in this messed up world unless a revolution happens. 
And he conquers these Romans once and for all so that he can then take the throne and rule as the best king there ever was, better even than King David. Ruling with this righteous justice and this limitless wisdom and this matchless strength. So Jesus, this cannot be what God has for you. Besides, you're one of my best friends. I'm not gonna let anything bad happen to you. Not on my watch, Jesus. This will never happen to you. We can hear it. His tone, this mixture of brotherly protectiveness, zealous determination, denial, and fear that all his hopes might be disappointed again. Well, if Jesus' statement about suffering and being killed has shocked Peter, what happens next stuns and stings him. Get behind me, Satan, Jesus said. Yikes, right? Ouch. This feels weird and uncharacteristic of Jesus and honestly pretty harsh. Wasn't Peter doing what any of us would do when someone we love is in danger? Standing up for them, defending them, letting them know that we would have their back? So what's so wrong with that? Jesus continues, you are a dangerous trap to me. Jesus recognizes that behind his well-meaning, protective, defending friend is a familiar temptation that Satan himself tried on Jesus before. To try to get Jesus to take on his power without suffering, without going to the cross, without all that dying business. Because Satan knows that if Jesus goes to the cross and suffers and dies, the battle for human beings will be over, one and done. You see, Jesus is going to the cross because he knows that is the only way to save us from our sinful selves. The only way to entirely dismantle and defeat everything that oppresses, ensnares, seduces, shames, lies, coerces, manipulates, and destroys is to take it all on himself and let it all die with him, on him. He's going to do it, he's got to do it, and he wants to do it so that you and I and all people everywhere will be fully forgiven, entirely redeemed, unconditionally loved, completely free to live life to the full with God right now and forever. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's, Jesus says. Well, yeah, we are human after all. And Peter's just expressed what comes to his mind naturally. And we get that, right? That's understandable. But here, Jesus is challenging Peter to change the way he sees. What does that mean though? How do we change the way we see? 
Well, maybe we first go about changing the way we see by recognizing that our natural way of seeing the world isn't always or even often the way God sees it and sees us in it. That maybe sometimes we're not seeing things clearly. And maybe God wants to help us change the way we see. So maybe God wants to help us make that change as we spend time studying scripture, as we spend time in honest conversational prayer, as we do things like engaging in a review at the end of our day, where we're laying it all out before God and we're going back through our thoughts, our emotions and our encounters from the day, And we're asking God for wisdom to see where was God present in all of it? How do we respond or not respond to God's presence in it? And how might God be wanting us to change differently for tomorrow? Maybe it involves too spending time with mentors who are a little bit further along on the journey of life and faith than us that can help us learn to see differently. Maybe it's joining a small group here. Or maybe it's taking a friend to lunch or coffee once a month and deciding that at the end of our time together, we're gonna intentionally pray together before we leave. Praying for each other to see our work environment or our school, the needs of our city or our community or ourselves the way God sees it. We'll have to keep reading on in Matthew's gospel and maybe John's gospel too to find out more about how Jesus' relationship with Peter continues to play out after this pivotal conversation. But here's a spoiler alert for you. Jesus doesn't reject Peter or any of the other apprentices here who struggle with being confused or even arguing with Jesus about what he should or shouldn't do. Instead, Jesus keeps the relationship going. And as Colin talked about last week, Jesus invites apprentices to lean into the hard moments, to work through the questions and the points of tension and to honestly wrestle with the stuff that's hard. Now, up to this point in our passage, the focus has been on what's happening to Jesus and how it's a necessary part of God's plan But in verse 24, Jesus shifts his focus from his own life to his apprentices' lives. He says, if any of you want to be my follower or my apprentice, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Wow. (laughs) Nobody can accuse Jesus of false advertising, right? Seriously, this is shocking stuff. Who leads with the hard stuff? Only Jesus, right? And why? Because he wants us to know out of the gate what following him is gonna involve. And this is where it gets really tough, but if we're willing to lean in and let Jesus challenge us, we hear Jesus saying that if we wanna be his apprentice, we're gonna have to give up our own way. Or some translations say, deny ourselves. But I don't really love that. 
And I'll tell you why. Because I think what Jesus is getting at here, in my limited understanding, is that it's not just about denying ourselves as in telling ourselves no, period. Instead, it's about giving up our own way so that we can embrace a different way of living, a way that involves taking up a cross. Now, when Jesus' disciples heard him say this live, it probably sounded literal to them. And for some of them, it was. But what's Jesus getting at here for us? I think Jesus is not trying to say that his apprentices should live miserable, shame-filled, burdened lives. He's not saying that we need to develop an exceptional martyr complex or assign or resign ourselves to any and every bad thing that happens to us as just our cross to bear. You ever heard anybody say that? No, the reason I think Jesus asks apprentices to take up our cross is the same reason he did. For the love. For the love of God. For the love of the world. For the love of us. So taking up our cross then is not about this burden dragging us down. It's about giving ourselves our time, our energy, our resources, giving it all for love of God, for love of the world, for love of everybody in it. It's about learning to lay down our pride, our ego, our status, our comfort zone, our TV time, our social media scrolling, our silence, our pessimism, our distractedness, and take up a cross of serving in love so that somebody who feels lonely, desperate, or hopeless will come to see that there is a God in Jesus Christ who is with them and is for them. Somebody, come on, amen? Note in Luke's gospel version of this passage, Jesus adds that this taking up of our cross is not a one and done thing. It is a daily thing. He says, take up your cross daily. That's the key here. It is a journey of learning to be an apprentice of Jesus. It is a lifelong process that gets lived out every single day. Now that's not always easy or clear or obvious, is it? Or maybe I'm missing a lot because it's not for me. So I'm really thankful that Jesus then says, take up your cross and follow me, follow me. So we'll know where to go. And I'm extra thankful that Jesus does the inviting. Because back in Jesus' day, a person who wanted to become an apprentice to say a Greek philosopher or a Jewish rabbi or a master craftsperson, that person would have to apply to become an apprentice and maybe get in, maybe not. Any of y'all seeking out college soon, you know the feels, right? Yes, 
It's terrifying to put ourselves out there, but Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't wait for us to apply. He takes the initiative. He does the inviting. He seeks us out and says, come follow me. I don't care what your resume says. I don't care even if you master the basics, just come on, come follow me, come journey with me and learn as we go. Learn on this journey with me. He invites us to follow to follow. Now, depending on our background and history, some of us might hear the word follow as kind of prescriptive or restricting. But what if Jesus is trying to say it as an invitation or as a guide? To say, hey, you don't have to figure this all out on your own. I'm here, I'm with you. Let's do it together. Still, it can be scary to give up some of that control and to follow somebody, even if that somebody is Jesus. In his book, Love Does, Bob Goff writes, when Jesus invites us on a journey, he shapes who we become with what happens along the way. He says to us, let's go after these things that inspire and challenge you, and let's experience them together. Bob continues, you don't need a lot of details or luggage or equipment. You don't need to know everything. When you're with somebody, you trust. In Mark 9, a man says to Jesus, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And sometimes that's my honest prayer too. Lord, I trust but help my lack of trust. In other words, I'm trying to trust God. And sometimes that trust flows easy and strong. And other times I've got a vice grip on my own control and my own way of seeing that I'm not really sure if I wanna pry my hands off of and let go. That verse in Mark's gospel gives me, and maybe it'll give you too, some permission to be okay in the tension of where we trust and where we struggle to trust as we're following Jesus. Still, if you're not even there yet, not even okay with the tension yet, maybe your trust in Jesus feels like it's been broken along the way because you have been wounded by the church or you've been disappointed or confused or angry with God or it's gone sideways for any other kind of reason. I wanna ask you to just keep coming back. Keep coming back because here at Branches, this is a safe space where you are invited and you're encouraged even to be curious, to wonder, to ask questions and to wrestle openly. And at least for me, I've found that engaging in that kind of process is what I need in order to journey toward a more wholehearted faith. Being an apprentice of Jesus is a lifelong thing. It's lived out one day at a time. It's not about being perfect. It's about being willing 
and about being intentional about putting ourselves in a place where every day we're learning and we're growing more than the day before. I'm so grateful to get to be on this journey with each of you and have the privilege of learning alongside you. So if you're willing, let's keep leaning in and taking up this journey of following Jesus together. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the ways that you love us, for the ways that you challenge us to follow you, and for this community that you blessed us with so that we can wrestle with our faith and learn and encourage each other to live it out a little more every day. We believe, help our unbelief. We trust, help our lack of trust. We are your apprentices and we love you. And we want to learn to love you more and live in your love even more today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.